Welcome to Marketing Mistakes and How to Avoid Them. Here's your host, Stacey Jones. Welcome to Marketing Mistakes and How to Avoid Them. I'm Stacey Jones, and I'm very happy to be here with you all today. I want to give a very warm welcome to Aditya Varanasi. Aditya is the founder and CEO of Awarity, whose goal is to make world-class marketing more affordable and sustainable for up-and-coming companies. After spending 14 years in marketing at PepsiCo, he pioneered new ways to unlock the power of digital media across a wide range of brands, including Cheetos, Cracker Jack, and Lay Stack, by adapting emerging advertising technology to build targeted, impactful awareness for small businesses. Today, he works with hundreds of businesses of every size across nearly every vertical to create high-impact and affordable marketing results. Today, Aditya and I are going to be chatting about how to inspire trust to grow your business and generate demand by delivering a compelling message to new customers. We'll learn what works from Aditya's perspective, what mistakes to avoid, and how some businesses just miss the mark. Aditya, welcome. So happy to have you here. Thank you for having me. Really glad to be here. Of course. What I love to always start off by saying is, how did you get here today? I know you have a long storied past, having worked at PepsiCo across all of those different brands, but what made you decide that there was a need to find a better, more affordable way to market for emerging brands? Yeah. So, you know, as you mentioned, I I spent a good portion of my career at PepsiCo. And one of the experiences there that was very informative for me was when we looked at our entire marketing mix and ran a regression. So we looked at the four P's, we looked at competitive activity, we looked at product placement, were we on perimeter, were we in aisle, was there a pricing discount, and also our different advertising avenues and when those were running and that, how, how that all ultimately impacted sales. And what we found was we were able to assign a coefficient to each of those activities. And it was really interesting to see. And then we knew how much we invested. We could ultimately get an ROI. And it sounded really, really smart. But the thing that the model missed was that when you layer different activities on top of each other, there is more of a compounding effect. It's not just the addition of each of those coefficients. It's actually an enhancement of each of each of those coefficients. So for example, if we had in-store pricing, you know, we could understand exactly how much lift we would get for each discount level that we could offer in market. Same time, we knew a product was on the perimeter, we knew how many more units we would sell if it was in a featured location in store, high traffic area location in store. But, and, but what we saw was when you had TV on top of that premier placement, on top of some pricing promotion, they compounded and we saw more lift than the sum of each of those. And it makes sense if you take a step back and take all this advertising and marketing jargon out of it, it makes sense because you see something like Cheetos, everybody knows what Cheetos are, but you're reminded they're fun, they're playful, they make you feel like a kid again. They're these crazy unique shapes, they're bright orange. You're like, that stands out in terms of the snacking world. You know, there's infinite choices from healthy snacks, the sweet snacks, the savory snacks. There's only one Cheeto out there. And so when you're reminded what that is, you're thinking, oh, yeah, I haven't had Cheetos. Those sound pretty good. Or, oh, yeah, we need to get Cheetos for the kids again, whatever that might be. 
then you go into store and it's kind of in the back of your mind and you're like, oh, there's Cheetos right there on the high traffic corner that I'm walking by. Oh, and by the way, it's on sale. And all those things have an additive effect mm -hmm. to ultimately lead to purchase. After I left PepsiCo, I was hired by a private equity group to run a startup. And one of the biggest challenges we faced at that time, which I had not experienced because I came from the world of PepsiCo, was how expensive advertising is. We're a small business at the time. We're trying to grow. And the cost to build brand awareness is extremely high and requires a lot of effort. And so I had some experience with, with programmatic advertising, and I felt like it was a really powerful tool to deliver that same top of funnel awareness that we would get on Cheetos with TV advertising. And we had a lot of success with it. And I think ultimately, when I parted ways with the private equity group and started Awarity, the thought was a lot of these small businesses, like I had experienced during that time, rely on Google search, website, building a website and optimizing SEO, utilizing social channels. And those are great, but they're really missing an ability to drive broad reach. Because when you're in search or SEO, you're only reaching people while they're actively searching for you. When you're on social, you're only reaching a narrow audience that's spending a lot of time within social media. Actually, less than 50% of social users are on there daily. And, and so you're, you're missing a lot of people. But I felt like with banner ads, with 92% of households connected to the internet, two-thirds of that time is actually spent on websites. It's literally the one advertising channel where you can reach virtually anyone. And there are some opportunities with the way the ecosystem is structured with a real-time bidding environment that I felt like we could develop some technology to make it affordable and efficient for small businesses to add that top of funnel on top of everything else they're doing, which then, if, if the science holds like it did at PepsiCo, would help accelerate their business. And you know, I was pleased and pleasantly surprised when we were able to pull it off and um, started seeing phenomenal results for our clients across a wide range of wide range of industries. It goes back to that simple thing. People have to see you an average of seven times before they take action. And what we're able to do is get those first one to three touch points, and it ultimately makes people more responsive to other things they may see from you. You're speaking my language here because what my agency specializes in is product placement in movies and TV shows. And so we are getting product into that movie, into that television mm -hmm. environment. But then we also are enabling the clients to unlock a reason to advertise around that show, to run digital, to run linear through that. So then you have that double hit and we know that we see a spike go up. Um, when those two are combined. And then when you bring in the third level where then you're cross promoting it and you're bringing it into retail and doing something on package or even taking some of the content and the IP and putting it into the brand's whole marketing world, that's even a stronger case of why it's going to drive sales. So that layer yeah. effect, it works across pretty much any facet of advertising and marketing today and just of how you are um, building it out to make it effective. No, and what you just touched on is, is, is so important in terms of people say, hey, I don't respond to advertising or advertising doesn't work on me. That's, it does. that's where the creative comes into play. When it's a product placement and it's a little more subtle and you see a product being used in real time and you're highlighting points of distinction that matter to the end user, that separate it from other choices on the market. 
that's advertising. Advertising isn't being pushy. It isn't trying to force something on people. It's just showcasing how a brand can uniquely meet a need that other choices don't. And the customers that have that need will gravitate to that, gravitate to that message. So when you're working in the environment of a smaller brand with smaller budgets and PepsiCo might be able to offer, how are you coming up with the overall strategy? And, you know, is there a set minimum that you're saying they have to spend? Is there a plan this beyond the digital advertising that you're doing that you're um, thinking of how to funnel it down? What is your game plan? Yeah. So, you know, local campaigns with us start for as little as $299 a month. And that's actually where we started with the focus of awarity was if you're a local restaurant, you only want to advertise to maybe your zip code and a couple of surrounding zip codes instead of this DMA level buy, because people are not necessarily going to drive around town for most restaurants. And so when you start scaling the idea of media saturation, which is, you know, how many people are you reaching and how frequently are you reaching them? And then scale it down to the zip code level. And then on top of that, able to deliver really efficient, affordable, CPMs, cost per thousand impressions with high quality placements, we can actually make it affordable down to that $299 a month. And we're actually investing in some new technology that we think we're going to bring that down even further to make it more accessible with the idea being, hey, if you get 100,000 ad impressions a month targeted to a population of 50 to 75,000 people, that's pretty good media saturation in that market and can move the needle for those businesses. And then obviously enterprise clients that we work with spend a lot more, they cover a lot more area, but we do specialize in making sure that message is personalized down to the zip code level wherever possible. And so for $299, the world is your oyster. I'm kidding. But that's something that any brand of any size should be able to carve out. I mean, they're looking at different ways that you're marketing, whether you're a restaurant, you're looking at social influencers or PR. I mean, this is just at or email campaigns. This is another level and layer that allows you to be more effective. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And, and, and the, it all comes down to reach, frequency, and a compelling message. Are you reaching the right people, doing so at a compelling frequency, at, at the right frequency with a compelling message that demonstrates some unique value that you're bringing that means something to your customers? And if you could do that affordably, it, it always moves the needle. And so how do some people mess this all up besides overspending and not targeting the right demographic? Yeah, I think the biggest challenge we have in today's environment comes from the fact that we, we're obsessed with measuring everything. And we want to be able to measure the impact of everything we're doing. But the challenge is that customer journey from awareness to ultimately purchase is just long and winding and takes a lot of twists and turns. And it's really hard to measure every step of that journey. And so one of the, one of the common issues that we see are folks that want to just measure that cost per conversion. They say, hey, I put $1,000 into Google ads, into paid search, and I was able to get 100 conversions valued at $100 each, and therefore I have a positive ROI, so I'm just going to pour more money into that. Mm -hmm. And in today's environment where people want to measure everything, it sounds like a really smart business decision, but it's really misleading. And, and I'll use a sports analogy you know, it's, it's like saying, hey, football teams tend to score touchdowns when they run the fullback guy. 
because they generally do that when they're on the two yard line and they've just completed an 80 plus yard drive to get to that scoring position and the fullback dives a really efficient way to get into the end zone. No head coach says, well, we should just run more of the fullback dive to score more points. That's not, that's not the way it, it works. And so the, I think the most common mistake is looking at the finish line and measuring the finish line of that journey and ignoring everything that happened before people got to that stage. How are you driving demand? How are you driving awareness? How are you engaging those users and showing along the way how you stand out versus the alternatives, staying in front of them until they either have a need or that you are the best choice for their need to ultimately get them to purchase. And so thinking about that entirety of the funnel, because in, in a world where resources are always constrained, we see people gravitate to that finish line instead of thinking about the entire room. That, that's, our, that's the most common mistake we see. And we see it from small business. We see it from large companies too. And when you're doing digital advertising, are you only looking now at Google or are you looking at other platforms too? So we utilize a full programmatic advertising platform. So we, we can reach virtually every reputable, verified, safe website for placement. We can target ads based on the content on that page, based on the zip code it's being viewed on, based on the demographics of folks that normally visit that page. There's a whole host of ways we can target target the ads. We look at social. We don't offer social currently. Uh, in the future, we're looking at ways we might be able to streamline and make it easier for smaller businesses to get into social and, and use our technology to help enable those placements more efficiently. But it, we really do think about the trifecta of awarity, social, and ultimately search as kind of three key pillars. On top of that, you have your email and CRM and other things that you're doing to continue to engage your customers. And so with programmatic, can you explain a little bit more to our listeners who are like, okay, I hear this word programmatic all the time. What is programmatic in your opinion? Great question. So there are certain types of ad placements, particularly ads on websites and ads on streaming TV that where that inventory is made available in a real-time bidding environment, meaning they're a computer, they're interfaced with ad exchanges. They're saying, I've got this many slots. Here's the profile of, of each slot that you want to target. And you can buy that by bidding in real time versus hundreds, if not thousands of other businesses and brands. The challenge with programmatic advertising to date has been, it's generally been reserved for larger companies because it's a very manual process. People, you have to have somebody at a keyboard programming the campaign, hence it's called programmatic, programming the campaign, downloading reports, making optimizations, figuring out the right bid, figuring out the right targeting, what's performing, what's not performing, which ad exchanges are delivering better inventory versus there's a lot of technical uh, technicality to the back end of how this works, which then drives the cost up and makes it very narrow on businesses that can afford to use it. With Awarity, we've developed our own automation and AI system to buy that media in an automated manner. So if we're running hundred campaigns at $299 a month, that's the same technology we might use for a large enterprise client that could be spending a million dollars a month. They both get access to the same thing and the same automated media buying within that real-time bidding environment. And hopefully that, that, made, that made sense, but you could buy ads on websites that way. You could also buy commercial slots on streaming TV that way, which 
we've seen explode since the pandemic. Uh, Americans are watching a billion more hours a week on streaming since March of 2020. It's now in over 73% of households and all generations are cutting the cord. So we offered streaming TV prior to the pandemic. We had limited usage of it, but now we can reach the same number of households, if not more than you could with cable, except you can be much, much more targeted. So for example, our house would see different commercials than our next door neighbor, because it's all tailored to the household level data. And so it allows us to just be really efficient with TV campaigns in a way that you couldn't before, but that's all enabled by programmatic advertising. We're buying media in a real-time environment. And so that's changing the whole landscape of national advertising, where mm-hmm. you just mentioned your next door neighbor might be watching the exact same show as you are at the exact same time, but the content is getting more and more customized to their favor of what they might actually enjoy watching and ingesting. Yes, Absolutely. What are some of the mistakes that people make with programmatic? Yeah, I think um, I think the first goes back to focusing only on that cost for conversion. Now, what we see is if we focus on utilizing programmatic advertising to build targeted awareness, we see the conversion results are comparable, if not better, than other things they may do. But you have to start with the focus on, are you reaching the right people? Are you serving them a compelling message? Are you giving it enough time for them to complete that customer journey from awareness to ultimately purchase? If you you go in and you expect conversions to happen as quickly as they do with, say, paid search, you're going to pull the plug much more quickly than you should. And that's a common mistake is thinking that all digital advertising is the same. And I think setting up a very clear lane on what the role of each step of of the funnel is with your different channels and being strategic about the role of each is ultimately the way to get the most conversions and the most growth for your business. But a lot of people going back to the whole measurement question, don't always think that. I think that's the first most common mistake. I think the second is when you, when you take that focus, we see people try to over-engineer it. At the end of the day, it just comes back to, are you reaching the right people at an appropriate frequency with a compelling message? And if you, when we focus on that, that's when we see those down funnel results. If you start again at the finish line and try to figure out what happened before then, you tend to make some misguided decisions. And so that, that really is the area of the most common mistakes we see. And with programmatic, you know, you mentioned that it works with streaming and you mentioned mm-hmm. that it works with internet. It mm-hmm. really touches almost everything now, except for mm-hmm. your social channels. Mm-hmm. That's correct. And then, and y'all are going to be working on that with the social so that you can also handle and take over meta, I'm sure, without a doubt. Well, look, I, I would view it as even potentially a partnership where we could go agnostic to different social platforms. And, and look, this is stuff we're talking about. It's in our R&D pipeline that we're actively working on. But if we know, if we know a, a business wants to reach moms with young kids, We're working on developing our platform to where not only can we reach them with banner ads and streaming commercials, but we'll help determine and automatically place on the right social channels, whatever those might be. There might be a more B2B oriented company where we would place on LinkedIn. If we're trying to reach moms, maybe it is, maybe it is meta, maybe it is Facebook and Instagram. 
Maybe if it's a different demographic, it could be TikTok, it could be something else. Um, it could be emerging platforms that we're seeing come out, could be Reddit. But thinking about ways that we could turn it into more of an automated solution based on who that brand wants to reach and then placing across different platforms in a turnkey manner for them. Because a lot of these small businesses, a lot of these even mid-sized businesses simply don't have the time and energy to manage multiple platforms and fulfill those campaigns. And the technology we've built for programmatic advertising has a lot of applicability, which is why we're now in the R&D phase onto some of those other solutions. So going back to your comment, I would actually view all those social platforms where they have the consumers as our partners, not necessarily competitors. How long do you need to put together a test for a programmatic campaign to see if it's actually working? Like it's not going to be in a week that you're going to yeah. see results and your sales are flying off the shelf, but like, how long do you need to commit? Yeah, we've seen that vary dramatically based on industry and, and the purchase cycle. So we do a lot of work in sports. Um, we work across all the different professional leagues, the minor leagues, and in those cases, you know, we see pretty quick results because we could track ticket sales from people who have seen, seen the ads. It's generally a low involvement purchase. People are buying within a week, you'll start to see some results, but you'll see it fully propagate by 30 days, 60 days. But on that, if we're trying to sell preseason tickets, that might be a little slower than midseason tickets. Then you get the postseason and it might go off the charts if the team's headed for the playoffs and they have a really good season, they might see even stronger results at that time. So it varies based on how, but then you take B2B. You know, there could be, there's some large B2B companies we work with that have six month, one year, 18 month, even two year sell cycles. And in those instances, we try to focus on intermediate steps versus just saying, hey, this is when you got a new customer. Are you getting them to download a white paper? Are you getting them to engage with different pages of your website? Are you getting them to make a phone call and maybe take a meeting and start looking at some of those intermediate metrics that just indicate progress in the journey because people can't always wait a year or two, but it, that gives you a sense of the spectrum. And so I think what's most important is to be aware of what your purchase cycle is. And in a, again, going back to a world where everybody wants to measure everything, think about those intermediate steps. Don't just think about the finish line. What are intermediate steps you can measure just so that you can be confident there's progress. What are there any type of categories of brands or service businesses that do better with programmatic than others? Is it an even playing field that any brand can find success or do certain things just lend themselves? You know, we I've been surprised when I when I started this, the focus was B2C. But we've had some very, very niche B2B companies come to us and they've been very pleased with the results they've had. I think the only instances where we've seen and not, because what we do is we tailor the solution based on their need, the budget, the number of impressions, how we're targeting is all tailored based on their need. And so it's scalable to, to whatever that might be. The only instances where we've had challenges and, and maybe suggest that people not work with us is when it's extremely niche. Like we're talking, there could be, there was one company I talked to that said, yeah, there's only 70 people across the United States that would ever buy our product. Dang. And I was thinking that's very niche. That's probably not the best use of our platform. That would be a one-on-one -on -one marketing campaign to each of those 70s. That's 70 phone calls, right? <laughs> 70 emails, 70 gift boxes. Exactly. 70 very focused time spent. Exactly. 
So I think there are instances where if a product is extremely niche and has a very, very narrow audience, or we don't have the tools in our toolbox where we feel like we can efficiently reach them, that's where we'll be transparent and tell them, hey, this is what we can do. We don't think it's a perfect fit. If you're interested, we could proceed, but you know, we might recommend you try, try something else. And then once someone has kind of mastered working with you on programmatic, I am assuming that you want to increase your budgets, increase your testing, um, try new things and layer them in, as you had mentioned of with your early days at PepsiCo of realizing that a multi-pronged campaign actually delivers more. Is that the next step for you all of just adding in different elements and making sure that they're all cohesive? You know, we are adding additional elements, even in the programmatic advertising. We have a product called CRM Connect, where our clients can upload their CRM list into our platform and we can target them with ads. We had a, a minor league baseball team in, in Round Rock, Texas. It's, I believe, the Texas A uh, Rangers AAA team. And they had different CRM lists for people that came out for pet night, for fireworks night, for dollar beer night. And we serve them all different different ads based on that CRM list. So those are ways from year one to year two to year three, different things that they've layered in. But candidly, our biggest focus is we would rather our clients stick with some kind of top of top of funnel awareness building on an ongoing basis, even if they're slightly underspending in it, because we know that's ultimately going to move the needle. And then if they have the resources and want to get more granular, we're always here to help. But we always set that first priority is find an affordable budget that you're willing to stick with for some time. And that's when you're most likely to benefit in the long run from the platform. So we really don't. And, and honestly, sometimes we talk about it. We're we're wondering if that's almost a disservice at time if we're allowing clients to, to underspend. But again, we'd rather they do something than nothing at all. Well, that makes sense. I mean, it's better to at least be testing something along the lines. And then with programmatic, everything that we've talked about, do you also work within mobile? So are you looking at mobile programmatic and being able mm -hmm. to geofence very specifically? Mm -hmm. You just mentioned, you know, the example of um, the baseball team minor league where they're able to um, hyper-focus in on that individual who's already seen the ad, but now getting them that free hot dog. Yeah. So I'll, I, that's actually a really good example that, that uh, team, because they have a huge resort across the street and we ran some geofenced ads for people staying at that resort. So while they were there, they would see ads about come check out a game across the street. We also, for that team, um, they had some zip codes where they knew 80% of their ticket buyers came from. And so we heavied up placement mm -hmm. in those zip codes. But then they also knew in the broader area, people would come out for a game or two years. So we had a secondary market where we would, we would serve at a lower budget, just focusing a little bit more on reach, just trying to stay top of mind with the broader audience, not at the same spend level, just to get folks to come out for at least that one game a year. So... We do utilize a lot of that different technology. Every solution, every campaign is fully tailored to what that business's needs are. And like we said, we start first on, hey, what is, what is their base need in terms of building top of funnel awareness? And then layer in some of those granular growth opportunities over time. 
And for those people or naysayers who are like, oh, I, you know, I advertise on Meta. I'm fine. I'm covered on Facebook or Instagram. Now, you already touched on this earlier. You have to actually have your user on Facebook or Meta. And there's more likelihood, I'm assuming, than being just on Google or another search engine platform to be able to catch their awareness. That's that's right. And look, if that, and that part of our philosophy is we're not going to be pushy. If they're happy with what they're doing on Meta, let them be happy with what they're doing on Meta. We wish them, we wish them all the best. I know we can help. Um, and I know that if we can't help, we'll be the first ones to tell them we're not sure we can help because their audience is too, is too niche. There are plenty of brands out there that have been very successful with social focus campaigns, but we are hearing more and more, especially with the iOS privacy considerations where brands are realizing they can't rely just on one platform. And that's not just for awareness sake, that's really for the brand's sake. You don't ever want your business to be dependent on one third-party partner. You want to have some diversity in how you're reaching new people because that A, makes you more sustainable in the long run and less prone to ebbs and flows in user behavior or technological changes. But B, it also reaches a broader audience. And reaching a broader audience is only going to help bring more people into your funnel. So how can more people find out about Awarity and where to go? I bet you Yes. Can. Well, first off, visit us at awarity.com. We have a marketing blog with a ton of free content. Uh, anybody can read it. There's a digital marketing 101. It's six videos that are about a minute and a half each. So it's, it's very short to watch the entire thing. We're constantly adding new modules. There's samples of what we do, case studies of what we do. Again, a lot of content on stuff we don't even do just to help people become sharper with their other channels. Um, we're also offering for podcast listeners a, a sneak peek at some new innovation we have, which is going to include a marketing assessment. So if you go to awarity.com slash the gift, it's a gift for your listeners to go in, fill out a form. It's a very easy form. And we'll come back with a free marketing assessment based on that form, looking across their four P's and with some actionable recommendations on, on what they can do next. I'm going there myself right now, programming it in so that I have a chance to look at it later. And this will also be in the show notes for any of our listeners who are like, darn it, I'm walking the dog right now. I didn't catch that. And you'll be able to check it out later on. Again, that was uh, awarity.com backslash the gift, correct? That's correct. Fantastic. Are there any last words you have of insights on how to just do this better? Whole approach of marketing and advertising and the land of programmatic. Yeah. You know, my bit, the biggest advice I would give people is think of your own buying behavior. Mm -hmm. I think I've seen, and I'm guilty of it too. When I look at things from this side of the desk, I expect customers to do a certain thing. Mm -hmm. But when I put things through the lens of how I shop and how I make purchase decisions, I recognize it's a long and winding journey from awareness to purchase. And so put yourself in the shoes of the customer and the impact of how you can engage them across that entire journey and what you'd want them to see from you. And when you humanize it that way, it demystifies all this technical jargon and turns into how do you just showcase your value at these different touch points? How do you engage people in a way that it means something to them? 
don't put your goals in it, put their goals in it. And that's how you're going to meet them where they are. And that's ultimately going to lead to the best relationship in the long run. And that's a very simple thing that I think a lot of marketers and advertisers forget of instead of looking at all this complication of the world around us, of how you can approach advertising, thinking about how you yourself enjoy being marketed to. What would actually trigger your husband to make a purchase? What would get your wife to buy whatever XYZ it is? What would get your teen to think something is cool enough to actually want as well? And we forget to actually bring that humanity size sometimes to all of what we do, but it's still there. And that's the bottom line of how we're trying to approach advertising. Absolutely. Well, I really, really appreciate your time today. I learned a lot. I'm looking forward to looking at the gift to see how our agency as a B2B could even be leveraging your services or um, better. And so I hope all of our listeners will go in, check that out. Um, and if they have any questions, reach out to you. Well, thanks so much for having me on. I really enjoyed the opportunity to speak with you today. Of course. And to all of our listeners, thank you for tuning in to another episode of Marketing Mistakes and How to Avoid Them. I look forward to chatting with you this next week. And until then, if you have any questions about how you can indeed make that teen or the man, the woman, or whomever that you're advertising to more into your products by leveraging them, by getting them into content of other people's movies, TV shows, influencers, product placement, and all of those fun things. That's what my agency does. Please reach out. We'll chat. And I hope you have a fantastic week. Take care.